This next generation of women really need to see that there's not just no glass ceiling, but that there's people up above that are going to help you get there. That was Tyler Goodwin, founder and CEO of Seaforthland. And this is episode two of the Rewire podcast. I'm your host, Sam McClary. In this episode, we talk with Tyler about his search for a senior female hire why he is unapologetic about focusing the search purely on the female gender, and why it's proving so tough to find that person. That, and we touch a little bit on the real estate world. Listen in, enjoy. Joining me in the EG studio today is Tyler Goodwin, who's founder and chief executive of Seaforth Land. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. Thank you, Sam. Um, so we are here today to talk diversity because you guys are trying quite hard, aren't you, to um, be diverse? Because if uh, if anyone does go to your website and has a little look at the About Us page and scrolls down to board of directors and the management team, yep. they will see it's it's pretty male, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean, as a, as as you and I shared a couple of weeks ago, it is a bit of a challenge. Um, we've actually just. Uh, We've just brought on a uh, an independent non-executive director, a woman, um, who uh, can't be made public until April. But you know, a senior industry executive, and uh, you know, we're really excited about having her on board. And as you may be aware, we've got Susan Freeman on the board of advisors, um, and then in the team, uh, we've got uh, an office manager who is uh, who came in from Concierge Services, uh, who's also world class. Um, you know, we put out a posting, or I put out a posting um, about a year ago, and and suggested uh, a uh, a priority of hiring women. And I got a call like immediately. You can't say that. Take hmm. it down. Um, and we've now we've uh, we've retained uh, um, Ferguson Partners, uh, Serena uh, and Chloe, to uh, to lead that initiative. And uh, we've actually got two positions that we're we're hiring for. Uh, one is the kind of COO, you know, senior member of the investment committee, which is really my priority because I think, uh, you know, hiring somebody that's a partner with me, but it, it sends a message in terms of hiring the next woman that they can see that there's really no glass ceiling. Yeah. And why for you is it important that um, sort of the next hires are are women? And 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 I, and I guess how do you not go down that that road of hiring a woman just for hiring a woman yeah no it's uh it's a it's a great question and uh you know in growing the business uh you know every time uh we've come up you know it's the law of numbers right there's i mean you could say 10 candidate 10 male candidates for every one female candidate and and so you know you would just by those law of numbers always find you know that there were more male candidates that suited the role and so you know, in terms of as you're growing up, we're a three-year-old company, uh, you know, hiring people quickly, getting them, uh, you know, bums on seats, so to speak, and uh, getting them to work is is urgent. You know, now we're at a stage where we're beyond startup. Uh, and if you think about the, pro- the projected growth of our business, stability, creating the right culture in the organization, making sure that we've got a legacy business, uh, you know, and what I mean by that is it's not a lifestyle business for me. This is a company that you know, when I'm dead and gone, I still want to see fourth land here. 
Uh, it, it really means uh, setting up an organization where the investment philosophy is right, that it's not a testosterone-fueled investment committee. Mm. Uh, and, and so balance, you know, quality of product, again, balance is, is, is critical. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I've just taken the decision, and we've taken the decision with the board. We just recently had our board meeting, and I said, you know, here's my view let's put it out there and everybody absolutely agrees. And so we've just said, okay, the next hire is a woman. And so be patient. We've got a great team on board and they're doing a great job. Let's just make sure that, you know, when the right candidate comes along, we're gonna be able to push the button and and don't kind of just say, okay, we need to fill this role. This is a different type of role at the top of the management. It, it really is, uh, it's, it's something that I think puts me in a position as well. I've got aspirations to grow this business in a couple of other cities globally. Uh, and, and I need the sort of, you know, bandwidth and confidence in, in having the senior management team. And we recently hired on Ben de Boulay, uh, who's got 20 years of industry experience. And, uh, and you know, Kurt Roloffs is my, uh, my old boss at Deutsche mm-hmm. and uh, former global chief investment officer uh, at DB Reef. He's as my, uh, or as our chairman. And John Baker also is our CFO, uh, who was over at Roundhill, among other organizations, also more than 20 years experience. We just need that person that gets us to that, you know, core, stable management team that gives me the uh, the additional bandwidth to grow the business. Hmm. So, so tell us a little bit about about Seaforth Land and and that ambition, wh- where you are now, and then um, I'd be really keen because I'm sure we've got um, plenty of. Um, suitable candidates out there for you listening as to you know the the key the key things that you'll be looking for for that 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 perfect woman great oh thank you uh so seaforth land uh as i said we started three years ago it's really a a real estate investment management company um but with a few i think unique characteristics uh one is uh we are focused growing exclusively on separate managed accounts as opposed to or, or you can also refer to them as programmatic jvs um, as opposed to growing by way of a commingled fund model. Um, and, and we're doing that because, you know, on the governance side, we're very concerned about conflict of interest and how do you manage conflict of interest and make sure that the client that is working for or that you're working for is always getting, you know, the, the full goods. Um, and, you know, we just fundamentally believe it's difficult to manage separate managed account and, and commingled funds at the same time. Um, we, we focus exclusively on central London and exclusively on commercial property. Um, we're research-driven. And, and I think those, those factors uh, play an important role in, in how we work with our clients uh, and how we, we start with the research and, and we constantly update them on our views on the market. Uh, and then that, that shapes our investment strategy. Um, you know, year to date, we've done one transaction. We've looked at 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've offered on five um, and, uh, and obviously bowed out of four. Um, and bowed out, I mean, more recently, if you look at the last quarter, you know, it feels uh, a little bit like uh, Q4 syndrome. Everybody mm-hmm. trying to hit their numbers by the end of the year because the, the macro story right now is obviously, you know, it's binary. This is a binary outcome right now. And <coughs> Pardon me. We're really, as an investment manager, as a fiduciary, you want to be a guardian of your client's capital. Um, so we've got, you know, what we believe is a fair price, uh, and uh, that's the number that we put on the table. 
And um, in the last transact or the last bid that we pursued, I think there were 22 bids. Uh, another one we heard um, BT that there were 20 bids hmm. in this environment. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it, it's challenging, but uh, but not discouraging. Um, you know, I, I really we all believe that it makes a lot more sense in the way our business is structured. 50% of the carry profits go to the team. Everybody's focused on outperformance. Hmm. You know, to, to make a great investment and then, or, you know, be in it for five years, you're excited to work on it every day. You know, having been in a few cycles, I've, I've been in the unfortunate situation of making bad investments. And, and when that happens, you're asset managing it for five years and even longer through, through crises. It's not so fun. Yeah. Uh, so having that experience, uh, you know, it really does, uh, it does uh, keep us focused and keep us uh, really, I think, right now defensive. Um, but, you know, as I, I think CAA, which is just down the road from here, our space house, you know, it's a great example of when the right opportunity does come up uh, because of the research that we start with with our clients, uh, you know, it gives us the ability to move quickly. And so um, that person, that um Woman, we can say, because that is what you're you're after looking yeah. for, has to have that kind of brain that um, is focused in on the research and is, isn't, I guess, isn't too emotional about, um, uh, you know, if there's lots of people bidding for a property that you um, get carried away in that and uh, push up that price uh, higher than it, w- what is what is your uh, sort of top level bid, I suppose. Yeah, you know that. Uh I mean, you can. St- it's easy to stereotype, and you know, I I, I don't want to say that you know a woman doesn't get caught up in that competitive dynamic because it is, it's exhilarating. You know, working on a transaction is exhilarating, um, but I do believe it it does uh, at the investment committee level. It it does bring in uh, you know a different perspective and and more balance, and uh, as I was saying earlier, less testosterone fueled. You know, the funny thing is, um, so. When I gave the job description to Serena uh, at Ferguson, she was like, uh, okay, so this job description looks like what you do. And I said, yeah, that's the point. The point is, you know, I'm looking for somebody that, you know, could potentially run the business in the future. And uh, and so they're going to need a lot of experience, uh, you know, 15 years plus, I, I think, is, is at a minimum. And... Uh, and you know I'm not an ageist, partially because I'm over I'm 51 myself. <laughs> so, Don't look a day over 31, oh, Tyler. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, and uh, but but also um, you know I, I think the um, having been through a few cycles, uh, there's uh, you know that that ability as soon as you've been through a crisis, the way you underwrite transactions is very different. Um, you know, you suddenly, the downside scenario is a real downside scenario instead of the, you know, you, you saw this in the last crisis, uh, you know, these hedge fund people in their 30s that are just going long, going long, going long. And then when the market crashes, they're like, oh, what happened, right? Well, you never shorted any stock. You never took a, a defensive view. Um, you know, I think in, in our industry, having uh, having had that experience is, uh, is invaluable. Um, I think another really important characteristic is a lateral thinker um, because, you know, what is fantastic about our industry is, and I I say this to my kids um, because I'd love them to get involved. Of course, I'm not pushing (laughs) them into it, but, uh, you know, in case they're listening, um, 
But uh, but it's a, uh, I mean, you could be a finance person. You could be a design person, creative. You can be, um, you know, marketing. You can be analytics and research. You can be, uh, you know, design, or pardon me, uh, you know, development, physical assets, engineering. There is a, there's a role for everybody in this industry. And so, you know, I, I want to be really careful that we don't define somebody as saying they need to have these exact characteristics. What's important, I think, especially at the investment committee level uh, and at the management level, is the ability to translate your expertise into, you know, how it impacts other people's core functions in a business. And, uh, you know, that, that ability to think laterally, to see how, you know, the underwriting model is impacted by design, is impacted by market, is impacted by, you know, finance and, you know, interest rates, et cetera, is all, I think, really important. Um, so a lateral thinker is is important. I guess if I've given my druthers, um, I'd love to have somebody with transactional expertise um, because we're growing. I mean, we're, we're now at about 300 million in assets under management. You know, the goal is to, to build it up to a billion in equity under management over the next five years. Um, so, you know, on average, call that 20 to 25 transactions at any stage in the investment life cycle. And, and you know, our typical investment life cycle would be a, you know, five-year term. Hmm. Now, that said, we're focused more on value-add right now. There seems to be a lot of value-add bid right now. Uh, and, and so... It, it's entirely possible that we might, in fact, we've been looking at pivoting. Um, you know, we're contrarian by nature. And, you know, I laugh about the amount of value add bids because at the beginning of this year, people were coming into our office and telling us about the death of value add. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, what do you mean the death of value add? Since we're like in it, I want to understand why everybody thinks it's the death of value add. And, and the argument that actually the real estate market's too efficient here mm-hmm. uh, and that, you know, you can't, you can't get arbitrage pricing. And, uh, you know, we, we fundamentally don't, don't believe that. We, we believe that actually, uh, you know, this, this market, and I know you're, you're really involved in the prop tech industry, the prop tech industry, that's where it can really help delivering transparency to this market because right now it lacks a lot of transparency mm-hmm. and you know we came out with some research last year on net stock absorption that got a, a little bit of press um, because everybody talks about take up but actually the, the global standard in in terms of talking about the health of the market is net stock absorption so right now we're hearing a lot about how healthy the market is Actually, last year, net stock, or pardon me, 2017, yes, uh, net stock absorption was negative 3 million square feet. We're still marginally negative, mm. um, which means that, you know, for every million square feet of take up, you've got a million square feet being given back to the market and actually physically being vacated. Mm. Um, so that's not particularly robust. And I guess add a layer of that of the, the flexible office providers a lot of that um, take up and we don't know actually how much of that is full. So That's right. No. And and they actually they they've countered what would I think arguably be a much more exacerbated uh, negative net stock absorption because in the period when the three million square feet was given back, there's quite a bit of serviced office operators mm-hmm. that have taken space. Now a lot of that is vacant, and I think you know CBRE recently published some statistics showing that it's 40 percent 
Forty percent of that; uh, those operations are actually profitable, mm. which makes me a bit nervous. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, f- fundamentally, it's the, you know the macro story. Not surprisingly, is having a short term negative impact on the market, and, and I think we should continue to expect that. Mm. Um, but it's also, I think, driven uh, a readjustment in prices, and in the buildings that we've bought, um, you know, certainly we've we've actually often waited until the second round or waited until a failed bid process to move in on something or worked on something on a bilateral basis to avoid the whole hubris of, you know, um, trying to meet the numbers at the end of the year, for example. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, I think pricing in in many cases is reasonable. Um, it has adjusted, but but I think there's some short-term hubris that means that we're kind of stepping back and uh, and being defensive. So it's, it sounds like, um, you know, Seaforthland is a is the kind of um, business to work in where you can, as you said, you're looking at pivoting. You can move quite quickly. You you um, investigate everything quite quite um, um, granularly, and you know, it sounds like a, an interesting place to work somewhere where someone can be cerebral if they if they want if they want to be. Hopefully, yeah. they do. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested, especially as you said. Um, that when you spoke about the job description, that it was your job description. If um, the way that it's been written, perhaps is, if if you're sort of describing it, you describe it as a as a sort of male role, and whether that um, you've you've been advised at all if that if that puts women off um, going for that job, or and and maybe you know looking at. Um, the board of directors, whether um, any women out there might think, well, you know, I'm going to be one woman with three men. Am I going to get my voice heard? Which, you know, um, we've we've heard before is one of the, you know, um, being mansplained things and and talked over. And, you know, we see it on our on our panel sometimes that um, sometimes the the men will will go for it. And um, as women are maybe slightly more polite, maybe we shouldn't be. Yeah, that's a that's uh, I think. The dynamic that you're describing is prevalent here. Um, it's a real problem. Uh, I think for, I mean, first of all, I was raised. Uh, I was raised. My parents divorced early, and raised by my mom, who's a, I mean, a hippie generation women's liver, uh, <laughs> who fought for us every day, and uh, and so um, I think that's kind of shaped me and how I view, um, you know, that a woman can be a career woman and still be a woman um, and uh, but also you know I spent 20 of my last 30 years uh, in the in the career in Asia and uh, some people think of Asian women as this demure sort of uh, deferential that that exists in some countries uh, you know in others um, you know I lived in Indonesia where it's quite matriarchal um, and uh, in Hong Kong and in China where I mean if you're a one-child policy, you know, you you're told at a very young age that you go out and do what you want to do, and uh, you know there's some incredibly powerful and successful women in 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 the, that area of the world that uh, you know I had the pleasure at J.P. Morgan and Deutsche Bank at of working with and working for, um, and uh, and and so I would uh, I would argue that if people meet me, they're going to see it has nothing to do with your gender. I mean, it does for me in terms of diversity because. I do believe that part of it is, you know, you look on the website, 
you know, what happens What happens if I hire another junior woman on the team first, right? Oh, okay, so now you're one of those companies that, you know, in the junior ranks, but in the senior ranks where it matters, they're, they're not being filled. Mm. Uh, and so that's where my priority lies. And then, you know, the right person, you know, takes that ball and runs with it and, uh, you know, helps build out and achieve my objectives. And it's a, it's a three-year-old company. You know, one of the, I think you're right, the cerebral element is really important. We have tons of debate internally, uh, which is fantastic because, you know, when you're doing research, you've got to run down a whole bunch of different rabbit holes before you find something that actually makes sense, right? You know, you've got a thesis, you back test it, and it proves out not to be true or it proves out to be true. And so there is that dynamic that it works better when you've got a bit of group talk and, and debate going on. Um, I think that's that's certainly part of it. Um, at the same time, we're out looking for transactions, and that's how we grow our business. Uh, we grow our business by AUM, and uh, and so to, you know, the the ability to multitask, uh, the ability to kind of shift from one element, like I was talking earlier about the, you know, you know, working uh, in lateral thinking, working in parallel, and being able to shift. I think. Um, and again, I hate to profile, but I, I, in my experience, women are incredibly, are often very organized and, uh, and they're able to kind of shift because that's, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's been, it's been something that I've seen firsthand. Um, apart from your, your mother, have you, have you had any female role models in, in your career? My wife. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I mean, really, I've, been married we've been married now for 20 years and congratulations Vera, thank you yeah that's really great um and uh and she's uh she's a very strong woman um which is one reason why i love her um and uh yeah i think that's that's been uh i think uh very important and um mary erdos who is the uh the ceo at uh at jp morgan asset management i had the pleasure i was managing director at jp morgan and, and sat on the global advisory committee under mary um and so that was 40 of us from around the world that would go twice a year and, and meet with her and talk about the challenges in, in the organizations <clears throat> and what was Pardon it about me. her that was uh Mary, um, uh, Mary used to have a saying uh, that's probably not particularly PC, but uh, <laughs> um, you know because there's this philosophy about work-life balance, especially here, and I think it is important. But Mary's view uh, was a little bit different, but actually has some logic to it. And that is, if you're young in your career, what about work-life integration? All right, you you'd be surprised. Uh, if I think about the number of meals that I've had, uh, because I'm new to this town, right? I mean, relatively, I've been here for five years. Um, and so uh, going out for dinner with people, uh, you know, it's because I spend so much time in the office. It just turns out that it's people that, you know, I, I do work with. But it doesn't feel like work for me. It's, uh, you know, I'm going out with people that I enjoy spending time with. It, it's kind of work. I mean, you could look at it in one, say, one way and say, oh, well, that's your lawyer on this project or, you know, that's your partner in that. But, but this is what Mary's argument was, is that, you know, work-life integration, if you start it, you know, right, you're actually going to find that, you know, that your greatest friendships in life are people that, you know, you have respect for, that you've, you know, spent so much of your time, you know, working. Um, and, and so that was one interesting dynamic. The other one for her 
uh, she very she very much took an active role in in mentoring and uh, and an active role recognizing that mentoring women is important. There is a little bit of I think this is a this happens around the world, but you know women that advance in their careers and then in terms of mentorship, they don't necessarily you know, help the next people up because it's hard to get up there yourself. And so it's kind of like, well, you know, I did it. You're going to have to do it on your own. And Mary identified that early mm-hmm. and, and said, no, we're we're going to do this differently because, the, you know, these this next generation of women really need to see that there's not just no glass ceiling, but that there's people up above that are going to help you get there. And, uh, and I think that, you know, in part, if you look at, you know, the, the, the people that are on my board, um, most of them are mentors of mine, myself, over my career, and uh, and and, uh, and I think that's really important. Yeah. So you know, finding somebody uh, for a senior position in our organization that can do the same, uh, not just within our organization. I, I think being a, a knowledge leader in our industry and uh, and being engaged with, you know, I'm quite active in ULI. Less so here. I mentor for for uh, for young people in in the Urban Land Institute here, but. You know, I was on the board in Asia for eight years, and uh, and I've always found that uh, you know it's it's great to support people within your organization. It's even better to support people, you know, within the industry. And and while I don't expect you to um, tell me who who you've got your eye on out there in in the industry for the role, unless, unless you want to, of course. Uh, <laughs> um, but there are, are there any. Um, I, uh, any sort of women out there that you see in in the real estate world, um, UK or, or not, that is like, well, that's that's what we want. We want someone just just like that to um, to join Seaforth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, it's funny. I'm not afraid to reach out to people directly, and I found LinkedIn to be the best way to do that. You know, if I don't know somebody directly, then I'll just reach out. Yeah. It's not. It's not really done here in the UK. Uh, so I found a lot of silence, radio silence, on the other end. Is in you know who is this person stalking me? Yeah. Um, and uh, which is uh, you know in part. I why. responded to you though. Yeah, so, you, you did. You know. yeah. <laughs> I did think who is no. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think uh, you know this is where um, using using Serena has has been great. Um, you know we are. Although we are a boutique organization, we work with institutional capital. Institutional DNA is very important, and that's not a that's not to say a bureaucratic DNA. That's to say, um, you know, the I think the qualities of of institutions are they're looking for really high standard of corporate governance. They're looking for for ethics that put the interests of the client always ahead of you as a manager. They're looking for true transparency uh, with regards to any questions that they ask. It's not enough to answer in a one line. It's it's better to answer with yes, you know, or no, and here's why, and here's our backup information. And, and so I think transparency is really important. And then, you know, thought leadership, analytics, um, you know, the written word, um, in terms of how you present information and being, you know, thoughtful and making sure that, you know, in these organizations, uh, the people that you're working with is is almost like their front line. Um, but there's, you know, in in the the size of organizations that we're working with and speaking with, you know, we're we're talking about hundreds of people, mm. and uh, and so the uh, the ability to 
you know, work on an institutional scale and understand and have empathy for our clients, I think is all, you know, it's a it's an important characteristic. And why do you think that um, your door's not being banged banged down with a, a long luck? Because, you know, there's uh, there's loads of women out there in this yeah. in this industry who have all those have all those qualities. Um, why do you think then they're, they're not just absolutely stampeding? Um you know, if there's at a senior level, um, I think the the I think for a range of reasons, you know, when you know some women when they get after fifteen or, or twenty years in their career, they might look at a different tack. All right, I'm I'm building a you know I'd, I'd like to think it's a partnership culture um, where okay, you know, if you're fifty, how many more years do you have to go? Right. In my view, yeah. I'm not retiring. I love what I do. I really I like I'm just passionate about it. It's it's fun. It doesn't come across at all. <laughs> no, I, but I just I, and, and I mean, maybe part of it is, you know, when I'm looking for somebody uh, to come on board as a like a senior member of the team, it's it's, you know, can you one day run this business? Uh, it's a it's a hard question to answer. Um, and, and I think. I think a lot of people are honest and and say, you know, it's a three-year, four- or five-year commitment. You know, I I guess what I'm looking for is somebody that one day uh, wants to take equity in the business, one day wants to grow into, you know, a a role where they're going to take Seaforth Land to the next level. Mm. Um, I think my skill sets are, are, you know, deep and helpful in growing the business, getting it to where it is today. But I think I also recognize my weaknesses. And one of them is, you know, in terms of in terms of a, a management, getting a core team of people, you know, I'd rather have world-class, best-in-class people building and managing the team. So that would free up my bandwidth to open up another office mm-hmm. or to open up a, you know, a, a C4 residential at one point, which is something that we're thinking about here when the market hits the bottom, which mm-hmm. according to, you know. It's coming. My, my yeah, uh, <laughs> some, some people are telling me, yeah, it's, it's still coming. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I guess if, you know, if you are looking for, for someone um, senior, someone who can eventually take over, I, I guess some of the, the questions that come up are around flexibility, yeah. you know, can I still have my uh, my life, um, you know, you've, you've got yeah. uh, a, a wife and wife and kids, can they have a husband, wife, whatever, and, yeah. and kids as well, and still still lead a business, and those are, I guess, they're, you know, they're legitimate questions that I think probably come um, more to the forefront for women than they do for men when they're going for, for jobs. I so agree, and uh, I mean, when I set this business up, um, you know, I came from Asia where I had a regional responsibility. I was probably on a plane three to four days of the week uh, away from my family. Uh, and, and I mean, obviously, when I set Seaforth Land up, I, I set up the model that I thought was best for, for our clients. Coincidentally, you know, I don't have to be on the plane as much. Um, and, and one of the things uh, that uh, in with this people, people that I'm speaking with, um, you know, especially if you're in a larger institution, typically your career trajectory, you know, it, it, it also corresponds with an increase in responsibility, which often means expanded geographic responsibility. 
these are the things that you know I I actually can say you don't have that here right mm-hmm. you can run this business you can expand within the central London to be residential you can expand it if if one day you think logistics is underpriced probably not today <laughs> um, but but the point is uh, you know what what I think are are the greatest institutional clients in the world, the largest and and the most sophisticated, the ones you know we're we're going to be a five or six client business. That's it, um, because the idea is to grow with them and in programmatic JVs, and you know invest, bring it through the life cycle, stabilize, give them the ability to put it into their balance sheet and hold it long term, or turn around and sell it. Um, the uh, I think the the the, the opportunity with uh, somebody that comes on board here. Uh, is really you still get to go home at night every night right and and honestly you know Monday Wednesday Friday I, I go to the gym we, my wife and I go to a personal trainer I show up late right that's okay and mm. other people do the same I'm like I'm not I'm not worried about that it's it's more a function of are we getting the work done and and our industry is also something you know Kurt taught me years ago um, because it does ebb and flow Right, and when it's a downtime, be comfortable with it being a downtime. Right, if you need a mental health day, if you want to take a just, you know, hey, I've got, you know, a Friday, you know, out with with friends or family, take it. Right, yeah. because then when your deal live, when something goes live, they're long working hours, and 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 so it does ebb and flow, and and you know, it's it's not it's not like a you know, a weight around your neck. It, it's exciting when, you know, you're deal live and pursuing a transaction, especially when, you know, we're closing, let's say one or two a year. Uh, so it's not happening all the time. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think a balance of life, that's one thing that we definitely can offer. Um, just because the, you know, big part of your, you know, if you've got regional responsibilities, just being on an airplane, it's incredibly inefficient. You know, to go, I used to have to go to Beijing from Hong Kong for one meeting. And I do it, I try to do it in the morning and come back in the evening. And you you could do it, but it meant, you know, up at five o'clock and then you'd get back at midnight. And and more often than not, if you're going to Japan, then you're leaving on a Friday or pardon me, on a on a Sunday, you know, or, you know, if you're down in Southeast Asia, you're you're, you're back on a Saturday morning because you had a late meeting on Friday. Mm. And so, you know, I think uh, I think that plays an important role. But but also, just fundamentally, I'm pretty, I'm intense, but I'm also pretty chilled. Uh, you know, I'm intense when I think we need to be intense. And uh, otherwise, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Laid back. Yeah. And, and I guess just to, to round us off, uh, interested to... Um, um, sort of chat a little bit more about um, sort of your initial um, uh, search um, for you know and saying specifically that you wanted a woman and being told oh no you can't you can't say that yeah. and just um, you know why not why can't why can't we say that we all, we I, know that you know I, it makes business sense to have a diverse board um, companies with diverse boards that are more profitable that's been proven so why can't you say I completely agree I think it's ridiculous um, but. But I do, uh, I suppose the, the, the challenge there is, uh, you know, there are different forms of discrimination mm. uh, and it can go both ways. Uh, and and it, can, it can develop into more extreme forms. And so, you know, to, to, 
to have a consistent measure across, you know, all forms is probably the safest way of making sure that people aren't, you know, kind of overstepping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what I've learned is, uh, you know, I might not be able to advertise for this, but I can, I'm probably right now stepping over the line <laughs> even talking about it. Uh, no, but I can hire a, a firm and say, look, I'm interested in meeting men and women, but it really is important for, you know, the long-term, you know, profitability, the long-term balance, the long-term culture for, you know, for us to uh, to achieve our goals of being a legacy business that we've got a senior woman on the management team. And um, here's a um, mean question to finish on, I suppose. If uh, if you had two candidates, one female, one male, the male candidate was just marginally more suited, would um, deliver that little bit more to you, where, w- where would you fall? Who would you hire? I think it would be difficult. That's a great question. Um, and I'll probably get criticized for it, but... But I think it, the 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 questions framed wrong. Only that what I've said, you know, what what I value and what a woman can bring to our organization. You know, there are lots of great talented men out there, and we've got a bunch of talented men in our organization already. Um, I think what our organization needs and and where you know it achieves our goals uh, is going to be a woman. So. There are a lot of talented men out there at a senior level, um, you know, some of which I've I've looked at and interviewed, and you know, I'd, I'd love them to be part of our team one day when we when we get there. But I think right now, um, to get Seaforth to the next level, um, we're going to need a senior woman in our management team to do it. That senior talented woman. So let's do the let's do the pitch for our for our listeners for all the. Um, senior talented women listening in and for the for the um, men out there as well who know senior talented women um who um how should they get in touch with you and um yeah what give give them the the um elevator pitch for the role oh great uh well first of all you can reach out uh you can reach out to me or to to serena althouse over at ferguson partners um you know i'm on linkedin and uh yeah, just drop me a note. I'm I'm very responsive. Um, you know, the elevator pitch. I think what we've talked about. I'm I'm looking for a senior woman to to join our team. Uh, you know, it's it's somebody that's that's in a position to to make a, a long term commitment and has aspirations to to grow the business and grow within the business. Um, they they ideally would have transactional experience, uh, but not necessarily if they've got other, you know, core skill sets that are contributed, that can contribute to the team. Uh, You know, extraordinary, I'd love to have that as well. Um, It's not just uh, a functional execution role. This is management, it's vision, it's leadership. It's, It's all those things that I think is such an, I mean, I've seen what other roles are out there. I just think this is the best opportunity in the world. I'm not. I, I, it might be because it's my business, but I really do believe that uh, the right person. There's there's no better job out there right now. You're allowed to be a bit biased. I think it's okay. And right. if I had any talent whatsoever, I would uh, I would throw my um, oh. hat in the ring. But I I have none. So um, so I will just have to look forward to you hiring and um, bringing bring the hire in here and we'll have a have another conversation oh fantastic and look Thanks. forward to um, Seathworth doing even better with a um, very talented uh, woman at the helm 